Hello and welcome to the All Terrain podcast, brought to you by the Youth and Children's Ministries Unit of the Salvation Army in the United Kingdom and Ireland Territory. I'm Jo Taylor and in each episode a guest will be joining me to answer four questions about their real life journey and make four choices that help us take a hypothetical hike too. In this episode, I'm inviting you to join me and Dr. Ruth Valerio for our hike as we explore themes of change, suffering, joy, and service. Ruth is Global Advocacy and Influencing Director for Tear Fund, an international NGO. Ruth carries a vision to inspire and equip Christians to a whole life response to poverty, helping build a movement that brings about lasting change on the issues that impact the poorest and most vulnerable. Ruth's passion and interest have led her to studies in theology and a doctorate at King's College looking at consumerism and simplicity. It outworks in her current role and previously as a director for Arosha UK and spearheading the Eco Church programme. That same passion is infectious and I count myself as one of those inspired by the work of Ruth and have learnt huge amounts from her speaking and writing. L is for lifestyle. One of her books was hugely formative in my own thinking around ethical living and more recently saying yes to life and planet protectors have also been so helpful for me and my whole family. With all that in mind, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to welcome Ruth to the All Terrain podcast. So Ruth, um, welcome to the All Terrain podcast. Um, thank you for joining us. I've tried to explain a little bit about um, who you are and what it is you do, but I wonder if you could just expand for us what your um, everyday life looks like. Yeah, so let me just start by saying hello, and it's really good to be with you today. As you said, I'm a director at Tear Fund and I oversee a group that's called the Global Advocacy and Influencing Group, which sounds very complicated. It's made up of a variety of teams, but our purpose really working together is to help deliver large scale system change. So we walk with change makers and with movements to deliver that large scale change. We play our part in contributing to the biblical vision of a just and sustainable society. And we work alongside the uh, kind of on the ground programmatic work that Tear Fund does. We work alongside that to look at the bigger picture around large scale change. So we work particularly in the areas of advocacy and policy work, movement building, mm -hmm. looking to influence churches with their theology and leadership development and communications. And so it's a mixture of teams. So quite a lot of the group, around 40% or so, is the advocacy focus. And that is working with UK churches, engaging them with the UK government and businesses, but also around the world as well, looking to put pressure on governments and businesses to put in place policies and practices that work in favour of the world's poor and the natural world rather than harming right. them. So there's a lot of focus on giving people a voice to call yeah. for that big scale change 
and then a lot of emphasis on theology as well yeah. and helping churches in the UK and around the world, the churches that we work with understand uh, an integrated theology that holds social justice and environmental care alongside evangelism and discipleship and worship. So I, I kind of see my role as being like that of a conductor, really. We've got all mm. sorts of teams in there. The media team is in there as well and, and others. And each team is playing beautiful music. And my role is to bring them all together so that all together we make a even better sound. Uh, so a lot of my time is spent internally um, with mm. Tear Fund, but then I also do quite a lot of external speaking and teaching around these issues as well and writing and so on amazing I mean with all of that in mind and the scope that you have and particularly all those ideas of um large-scale change and all the rest of it I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on our our questions and to go on this hypothetical hike with you um, so thank you for taking some time out of all of that busyness um to be with us today we're going to get stuck right in and we ask every guest to make four choices and answer four questions as we travel together. And we'll start off with those first two choices. So first of all, can you tell me where we're walking? Yeah, so I, I love walking and uh, most days I go for a walk when I finished my working day. I have a fairly short circular walk about half an hour or so that uh, I live in a city and quite a bit of its street but there's a bit of canal as well mm -hmm. so I, I love this metaphor that we're looking at today there's something um sort of physical of course but also deeper than that there's something about walking and about mm -hmm. the rhythm and about what it brings to us um, just from a health, a physical and a mental health perspective. So I love that we're looking at walking. Um, and I, I thought about all different places where we might be walking today. <laughs> but actually what came to what comes to mind is when you ask that is that I think for all of us, we're walking through a time of crisis and crises. Mm. We're facing yeah. the the war in Ukraine, we have a cost of living crisis, we have an energy crisis, we have a, a climate crisis, a biodiversity crisis, mm. and that can be pretty wearying. How do we keep walking and keep going when we are in a time of crisis? So I think for me, we're, we're walking through crises. Mm. And, um, and I'd love us to explore that more as we chat. How do we do that? Yeah, that's a great um, context for our conversation, I think. And bearing in mind that you're a keen walker and you said that you spend um, some of those, some of that time alone at the end of your working day. But were you to take some people on this hike, we come to our second choice and I'll ask you, who it is you want to take with you. So you can bring three fellow travellers, uh, one living, one dead, and one fictional. <laughs> okay, so I'm actually going to cheat with this and not quite answer it in the 
right way. I'm going to break the okay. rule. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to so I'm going to take two living people. Which so I'm going to substitute a dead person for two two living people. <laughs> I've got that the right way around. Uh, so my two living people would be my daughters. When I think of who would I most want to go for a literal walk with, um, and who is who are most important to me as I walk through life, it's my two daughters. I've got two lovely girls they're now very much growing up my eldest has just left uni and got her first job and um so on and then my youngest has just finished her first year at uni and they are such great companions and they have been right from when they Mm -hmm. were little all the way through they've uh, they've been great companions they challenge me uh, I learn so much from them. You know, society is changing and I'm, I learn from them about that. Mm. They might say to me, Mum, you can't say that. And you know, <laughs> learn new things from them. And they're fun. We have deep conversations and also fun and funny conversations. So we, mm. we laugh a lot together. So they would be my of the those first companions and I'll definitely allow that I am one of two daughters and (laughs) if my mum chose one of us the other would certainly be furious so that's definitely a cheat that we can allow (laughs) thank you you're right I certainly could over the other so then if I skip the dead person and move on to what did you say fictional fictional yeah yeah. So, so again, I think I'm cheating here slightly. This again isn't this person isn't fictional as such, but uh, they came to mind because they are in a, a book that I read recently, and actually it's a choice between two people. So I recently read a book called, and I don't know if this is how you pronounce it, Aperogon, A-P-E-I-R-O-G-O-N, Aperogon. And it's um, it's a wonderful book about two men in Israel and Palestine who become friends. Now, they're actually real people. It's sort of semi-historical, which is why I'm cheating a little bit, because they're not fictional, but they are in a in a in a book. Two men, one, uh, the Palestinian, his daughter, mm-hmm. young daughter, is shot by an Israeli soldier. And the Jewish man, his daughter, is killed by a Palestinian suicide bomber. Oh, and wow. they meet through a parenting circle that brings mm-hmm. together parents from both sides who have lost children and it's it's an amazing story of 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 friendship but also deeper of forgiveness and of reconciliation of trust of learning of breaking down barriers in one of the toughest um conflict situations in the world and and I would choose either either of them. They're called Rami and Bassam, and either yeah. of them would come with me on my walk because I think they would have so much to teach me around forgiveness and reconciliation. 
I sound like incredible characters and we'll include the details to that book in the show notes so people can check it out because it certainly looks like it would be uh yeah enriching read so thank you for bringing those with us looking forward to spending our walk with them yeah me too um, <laughs> so having established where we are and who's with us we can move on to our first question which is this how do you face change uh, I think I probably face change pretty badly to begin with and then I embrace it once I've got my head around it so I've learned that that's how I I respond so I'm not good if something is just, if change just comes on me quickly, but I, I do, once things are explained, I do get my head around it and then, then I move mm. on and get on with it. So if you think about the change curve of um, denial and kicking against it and feeling low and then there's that acceptance and moving forward with it, I think I go through the first ones pretty quickly and then can mm. move forward with it and that that is a lesson for me around how you help people deal with change um, yeah. and communication is just so important so communicate 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 yeah and in that way we help people with change yeah and so Obviously, in your job, I imagine you have to do that as you're kind of envisioning your team and you're journeying with them through maybe organisational change and, and ways in which you do your work. And But thinking about those kind of bigger changes that you're addressing all the time, like climate change being the ultimate example, like what does that look like? How do we use those same lessons to face something as face a change that is on on that kind of scale mm, it's something I'm doing quite a bit of thinking about actually and I'm thinking through how do we how do we deal with these the changes that are that we're experiencing and that are coming our way uh, in a way that leaves us hopeful and still engaged mm. um, and you're right I've to learn how to do change processes as an organization but we as we walk through this time of crisis it does bring a lot of change with us that we have to negotiate and we've all been through so much change over the last few years and I think what we've learned one is that it's really hard and painful but mm. two that actually we can do it as well and we are creative and we are adaptive and we we can cope with it uh, as we think about some of the crises that we're facing now particularly the climate one i think one of the the first things for us to do is to acknowledge how we're feeling mm -hmm. so any one of us who has been through any sort of grief and trauma you will know that one of the most important things to do is to acknowledge your emotions and yeah we can we can just rush through life we're so busy and we can rush through life from meetings to families to friends to church the meals through everything and not really allow ourselves to stop and to look look 
face on at the horror of what is happening in our world, at the, the millions of people being pushed further back into poverty, at mm. the terrible degradation that is happening in our world. Do you know this summer we have faced such extreme weather events, Pakistan a third underwater, uh, the yeah. UK, we've been in a heat wave and droughts. There's been wildfires in the States. Do you know yeah. all these things? And we can just get on and ignore them. And mm -hmm. there's something really helpful as that first step to stop and to acknowledge, OK, actually, how do they make me feel? Yeah, I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel overwhelmed. I feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et um, yeah. so acknowledging the feelings, and sometimes when we acknowledge our emotions, it can take a little bit of the sting out of the emotion, and then we can yeah. not necessarily move out of it, but move within it. So yeah. um, I, there are other steps that we can talk through, but the first yeah. <laughs> is to stop and to acknowledge. And you know, there's a very biblical and faith-filled and scriptural thing to do the psalms are full of lament aren't they and yeah, yeah. The got anger in them the the israelites when they found themselves in exile they stopped and the psalms were there to help them acknowledge yeah. how they, how they felt you know there's weeping in them so yeah. other things we can explore but that first step of stopping and acknowledging yeah. our emotions yeah, and that's really helpful and actually brings us on really helpful to that, helpfully to that that second question of how we move through suffering. And um, I like the phrasing of the question that says, how do you move through suffering? Because for me, it captures that idea that you've already articulated that we don't move past it and we don't move out of it, but we move within it or, or through it. And so now it, maybe feels like that opportunity to explore that a little bit further so we can name it and I think talking about it is really important but I wonder if there's anything else that you've learned in terms of of how we move within that suffering space yeah um a community is so important mm. so uh, again our emotions the sting of our emotions uh, or this thing is taken out of our emotions, not only when we vocalise them and name them, but when we do so to and with other people. Yeah. And there is something powerful about connecting and being with others. I've got uh, one of my best friends, um, both of us at different points in our lives have been through quite grief-filled and traumatic experiences. And okay. we WhatsApp each other a lot. Okay. And if one of us yeah. is that we might send the other a message and we've learned that if we're whatsapping and someone one of us is upset the other might say should we have a quick phone call um, mm. and we'll do that and we'll get on the phone and the other person will talk and it's amazing so often we'll finish by saying oh I feel so much yeah. better just having talked to you yeah change the situation necessarily Though we might have you know, had some helpful suggestions and some thoughts as to what we can do. Mm. But there is something powerful about talking with others. Yeah. So community, it's, it's share how we're feeling with yeah. other people. And we learn from others as well. So I know 
I have been so inspired by people around me in my own climate action. Uh, people at Tear Fund who are just brilliant and friends and through other communities I'm a part of. I have learned so much. So we can learn yeah. and help others to learn too, inspire others. And through community, we can build powerful movements for action and for change. Yeah. So again, through my work with Tear Fund, quite a lot of what we're doing is supporting and working with movements around the world. Um, and, and we see change. So in the yeah. UK, we have seen the government commit to ending finance for overseas fossil fuel projects. That came about through us being part of a movement that was pushing for that. There are areas that with mm. around plastic pollution where we've seen change. So community isn't only a support, it's also there for us to learn from and it's there then to inspire us to action. So community yeah. is an important part and taking action itself yeah. is important. When we think about the climate crisis, psychologists agree that one of the best things that we can do not to feel overwhelmed is mm. to do something, to take action. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there are all sorts of things that we can do in our individual lives, which we could pick up on if you want to. <laughs> alongside that, one of the most important things we can do is that campaigning. So join your voice with others yeah. to call on governments and businesses to make change. Yeah. Uh, again, there's more things that I can speak into, but that acknowledgement, community, action, they're the yeah things that, that I would encourage people to be doing yeah and I think that that can work personally as well can't it like making sure we're kind of reaching out to people around us and and making those connections and it sounds like with your the thing that I really love with your friend that you whatsapp is that that you pay attention to what's going on with that other person and then maybe just take that next step so instead of just going on a message to say that that's okay going actually should we should we talk and and sending that next message I think can be really 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 powerful can't it in those those kind of personal moments of struggle and and challenge and remembering the other person and checking back in mm. so maybe a couple of hours after the conversation or something yeah just say just checking back in how are you doing yeah now? No, so so you're remembering yeah. and I think with suffering too uh, and walking through the climate crisis personal care or what I would call sabbath mm. is so important too so taking care of ourselves take let's take care of ourselves so that we can better yeah. take care of the world that we inhabit yeah. So it might seem counterintuitive if I'm all talking about action <laughs> also to be saying you need times when you're not active and when you're yeah. not surrounding yourself with the news and learning and so on. Yeah. To, we all, I need to stop and to take Sabbath to build yeah. rhythms into our lives. And I think that comes back to the walking. Yeah. We, we have that rhythm as we walk and walking as I said is physically good for us and good for our well-being too yeah. so if we're ever feeling if I'm ever feeling overwhelmed or down 
I know that going for a, a physical walk will help me with the metaphorical walk that I'm doing. Yeah, that's it. And I think um, the idea that we need to encourage ourselves with the idea that self-care can actually be a really radical act, can't it? And really transformational for us and for the people around us. And I think hearing from someone like you who's who's so engaged in these sort of big issues, like almost that that giving permission to rest <laughs> um, and being given permission to take care of yourself, I think is really important. Um, because yeah. otherwise we can contribute to the pain, our own pain and the pain of those around us when, yeah, we create environments that aren't healthy and aren't balanced. Yeah, and looking, actively looking for the beauty and the hope as well. Mm. Because yeah. our news feeds will will feed us with all the negative stuff because that yeah. makes the news go round. But there are also incredible stories of hope out there, mm. uh, just amazing people doing amazing things. Yeah. I'm part of uh, an initiative that I've launched recently called the Oikos Network. Oikos is the the Greek for home and is where we get the root for the words of both economy and ecology. And it's a global peer mentoring group, support group, network. I don't know if I've quite got those words in the right order, but it's a network of peer mentoring support groups. That's the way I'm trying to say it. <laughs> um, from we've just launched one set of groups about 50 people from all over the world and I was reading through their application forms it just briefly oh uh, you know where they're from and what they're doing mm. I thought wow there are amazing people doing amazing things all yeah. over the world and I found that so inspiring and hopeful yeah so looking for those hope-filled stories and noticing, stopping and noticing the beauty that's around us as yeah. well. I can get terribly uh, upset and down by the, the degradation that we are causing to the natural world. Um, and so an antidote for me, uh, actually I was in conversation with someone about this recently and they said something that made me realize, oh yes, uh, an antidote for me is my garden. I, I live in a terraced house in a city. I don't have a huge garden, but I've lived here for a long time and I deliberately uh, look after it with a view to making it a hospitable place for other creatures. And, yeah. and I love my garden. And uh, this conversation recently made me realise, oh, yeah, I my appreciation of the beauty of the garden is yeah. a healing and a thing for me and an antidote to the... Yeah destruction that I see yeah. elsewhere so you don't really out into the mountains yeah. <laughs> walking, you could just walk walk into your garden or yeah. out onto your balcony to look at your patio plants or out into the local city park you know see mm. the beauty that is all around and a reminder that life is never just one thing is it all of these things coexist alongside one another and if we're just looking we can see all of life happening around us yeah. which can be hopeful and wonderful. And now for a quick ad break. 
What is Shalom? It's about loving every child and young person. Shalom means helping them to find wholeness and community by being with others, being with creation and being with God. At our 2023 Youth and Children's Leaders Conference, we're inviting you to consider what it would look like to be an army of Shalom makers. It's an invitation to high challenge and a lifetime's work. It's an invitation to commitment and radical love. We'll offer teaching, stories and resources rooted in the reality of the current landscape, as well as in the hope we glimpse through present ministry and the promise of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We'll be gathering in Warwick from the 24th to the 26th of March. This is a conference for the committed and also for the curious. It's for the long haulers and the newbies. It's for volunteers, employees, church leaders and officers. It's for anyone who wants to be inspired, encouraged, resourced, and part of the conversation. Please check out salvationist.org.uk forward slash shalom for more information. We'd love to see you there. And now, back to the podcast. Well, I can't imagine this happening, but just in case the chat dries up <laughs> on our walk we need you to make another choice for us so, um what are we going to listen to as we hike okay i think we're going to listen to two things firstly uh, so a kind of modern contemporary thing and then a more classical piece uh firstly my i don't know if this is cool or completely embarrassing but my <laughs> favorite band from years gone by is the cure and i absolutely love them it's really yeah. their, their kind of older stuff because i am older so <laughs> early things uh so i would probably take with me i well if i could if I could take both albums, it would be great. But either Disintegration or Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. And there's so much in both of those albums that would keep me going for a long time. Actually going to see them in concert with my youngest daughter. Wow. In a few months' time, which is quite fun. So quite excited about that. I'm also of an age, so, and they would definitely call, definitely the band that the cool kids were into, so... I reckon you're on pretty solid ground with the cure. <laughs> I I should confess I have actually also taken my girls to see the Spice Girls. So I I well, should confess well. I have actually I mean, also <laughs> twice a million a million mum points for that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, maybe not many many cool. <laughs> anyway, so the cure would have to come with me to listen to. And then also Mozart's Requiem, which oh, was the first piece of classical music that I listened to that uh, opened. I love classical music and I mm. used to sing in a chapel choir and, and it was Mozart's Requiem was the piece of music that switched me on to classical music. And it's just beautiful and yeah. so rich and full. And again, that would keep me keep me going for a long time my great choices um yeah beautiful piece of music so I'm enjoying that just in case we do need to or maybe for when we're resting after the hike yeah um, that might be best <laughs> and maybe you've already started to touch on this answer for us but 
Our next question is, how do you receive joy? And it sounds to me like for you, it's in a bunch of different ways, maybe your garden and through this music. But I wonder if you could just expand on that for us. What does it look like to receive joy for you? Yeah, so I definitely receive joy through my garden and just absolutely love that that was um, sitting out there not so long ago with a cup of tea and found myself praying a prayer of blessing over Mm -hmm. different creatures that share the garden with me. I was watching some bees and I think I must have been reading something about, um, you know, our bee decline. excuse me, and uh, about insect decline and just how important our gardens are for that. So I found myself blessing, blessing the bees, blessing of the frogs, slow worms, the hedgehogs that I feed each evening and that come out and share that space and the dragonflies and the birds that come and feed and just blessing them. They are so precious and I don't Mm. want to see them disappear. So the, my my garden with the flowers and the vegetables and so on definitely give me joy. People give me joy. I'm off uh, soon on a, a long weekend to so celebrate a birthday and going away with family and friends. And, yeah. and I can't think of a better way to celebrate a birthday. Didn't really, didn't want a big party, but just wanted mm. to be with family and particularly yeah. special friends. So that brings me so much joy. Uh, really basic, simple things like sitting with a cup of tea and reading. That's uh, that's all I need. I'm so simple in my pleasure. I just need yeah. half an hour each day with a cup of tea, a little bit of chocolate and a book and, and I'm happy. It's all I need, really. Yeah. It sounds good and it's a reminder to to lean into those things. Like if there is a simple practice that you know is going to bring you joy, well, make time to do it. <laughs> it's, it yeah. As you said, it's important, isn't it? That self-care thing. And and if we're able to identify those things that bring us joy, then mm. then it's good for us and it's good for the world that we, we do them. Yeah, it is. And I think it's so important that this doesn't become a me-focused thing. So mm. it it is important that we take care of ourselves and... And my mental health is very important, not only just because I want to look after myself, but because I want to take care of myself so that I can take care of others and can take care of this amazing world that God has created. So we just need to be careful that we're not all about practices that are self-centred you know mm. self-centered oh, absolutely because we want to be other centered as well yeah yeah and inviting other people into that experience of joy as well isn't it like you talk about your garden and that helps others go oh there's a world out there that you're inviting us into and and so your joy has an impact on the people around you as well if you if you do open up those practices and if you are doing those things with others in mind, not just about hoarding your own space and your own, your own pleasure, but about sharing those moments with the people around you, then all of that becomes more expansive too, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think those for for me, I think they're important because I do spend a lot of my time 
talking <laughs> to other people, <laughs> either yeah. in meetings or either online or physical or sort of speaking. You know, I'm off somewhere tomorrow and will be again soon. So I spend a, a lot of my time. I want to say giving out. That sounds really naff, but a, a lot of my time in that external kind yeah. of way. And so just to have those moments where I don't do that uh, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand all of that. And again, it's about life never being just one thing, is it? It can be, needs to be all the things. <laughs> um, I wonder if you've given us a little bit of a hint as we move on to our fourth and final choice, but we've done a fair bit of walking and some serious talking. And so now we get to that beautiful moment of opening our snack bag oh the best what, what's in it <laughs> <laughs> oh it would be full of so much anybody who knows me knows that I eat an inordinate amount and I always <laughs> have food with me and if ever I'm going out anywhere uh, the most important bit is making sure that I've got plenty of food and drink with me so I'm always well prepared uh, the Two things for me that are the most important are what I have mentioned already, a cup of tea and I drink loose leaf, either green or white tea. So, you know, it's got to be proper, nice, loose leaf. In a proper tea, so you have a proper teapot yeah. and a, and a yeah. strainer. Teapot, I wish I could show you. Uh, I have a little tea sort of strainer thing that Marley, my eldest, gave to me for my 40th. And it's a little duck that sits on yeah. the strainer thing. So when it's in the mug, the, the little yellow duck just bobs along on the top <laughs> on the top of nice. the, on the, top of the <laughs> And when you take it out, the thing that it sits in looks like a blue wave. So it kind of looks like it's sitting on a pond. <laughs> anyway. So lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so a cup of tea. And some very dark chocolate, uh, preferably 90%, 85, wow. you know, at a minimum. And if I've got my tea and my chocolate, then all is well with the world. And I will uh, mid-morning, if we're walking mid-morning, I'm likely to bring out a Marmite sandwich. If I'm at home, it's a Marmite on toast. But if we're out walking, I will produce a Marmite sandwich. A Marmite sandwich. I've got a friend that's desperate for me to try marmite peanut butter oh, um, which i've heard good things about so he's promised that he'll bring me a jar next time i see him so a jar hopefully what marmite peanut butter oh. so it's an actual collaboration like made by marmite bring the two things together no no oh, intriguing that might be worth exploring if you're a marmite fan <laughs> Oh, that sounds like it does sound like a good snack bag. I would probably bring my own chocolate unless you were able to like tuck a little bit of something. I could slightly put slightly milkier in there. Milk in there for you. Okay. Then you can That'd eat that. That'd be great. That'd be great. But I'm all in on the tea. So that's good. Any kind of tea just makes me happy. <laughs> Excellent. And so now we move on to our final question. Um, which is this, how do you mature in service? Oh, gosh, how do you mature in service? Uh, I 
I don't think that's something that you can make happen. I think of it like um, a baby, a child growing up, or like if you're exercising regularly, you know, mm -hmm. over time, the, it's little changes, but over time you see the change. You can't make a child grow up. And yeah. I can't make myself become fit and healthy. That only happens through the, the regular and the discipline and the, uh, the enjoyment as well and the doing things every yeah. day. What it, a, a child grows up naturally when they have the good conditions that are around them. And so I think we mature in service really not by focusing on maturing in service, but by focusing on serving and service and getting on with it. And mm -hmm. there, there's something that the Desert Mothers um, and monastic thinking has this principle of showing up and you, and you just show up. It's the same for, I do yoga quite regularly and there's the same sort of principle there. The most important thing is showing up, getting onto your mat, getting into your prayer space, showing up for those acts of service. And you don't really think about the difference that it's going to make. But as you do that service, just naturally, that will, you will change. And that yeah. isn't through you trying to do something, that is through the, the gift, literally the grace, of the Holy Spirit working in you imperceptibly. Oh, but it comes over time and it comes yeah. through faithful discipline and and showing up time and yeah. time again. Yeah, I like that, that sometimes you just have to do the thing, don't you? <laughs> you just have to do the thing. Yeah. And and that's and that's enough and that's well that's the beginning not maybe enough but that's that's how it starts yeah and trust that uh, well paul said didn't he? he who i haven't got the quote in my mind but he who started a good good work in you will will go on to finish it is is my yeah. paraphrase i could probably quote the verse a bit better than that but you, you we trust that god is working in us and that if we abide in him and live and work and, and walk rooted mm. in him, then the fruit will come. But it's not, we can't make fruit grow. That, that is for God to do yeah. us. And so coming back to where we started with that picture of walking, as I walk um, a lot of days at the end of my day and do that, do that little circular walk. It's often been my prayer that uh, that God would keep walking with me and that I would keep walking with him. Um, mm -hmm. And I make that a prayer as I walk with my footsteps and the rhythm. And th that's the way by which fruit will grow. I, I can't make fruit grow. I can just yeah. keep walking, walking with Jesus and allowing his Holy Spirit to work in me. Yeah. And and um, my next question, I suppose, and uh, maybe it is that kind of prayerful act of obedience. But when I listen to you speak, and I've I've read a number of the things that you've written, and 
one of the things that strikes me is just how integrated your life is. So you're, it's not like you go to work and do this thing and then you're at home and you do this other thing. It's that your work and your writing and your speaking are all, and and the way you um, live with your family are all a kind of outpouring and all an expression of of a kind of fundamental calling really or all out of that kind of same desire to serve and and I wonder how that integration has come or how you how you ensure that so that all of your areas of life yeah makes sense Mm -hmm. well I think that's very kind of you to say so (laughs) (laughs) And probably if you spent much time with me, you'd realise I'm <laughs> much less integrated. <laughs> so I'm walking along that path with a, a lot of learning <laughs> still. To mm. But I think uh, having said that, with that as a definite caveat, I think it comes from the from what I read in the scriptures So when I look at the Bible, I see a God who has created a world that God says is very good. That means that it's not something that is rubbish, that God thinks is terrible and just going to be discarded at a later point. God, this world comes, God spoke, it it came from God's very word his breath his being this world is is deeply connected with god and with who Mm. god is not saying that it is god there is a difference but it is deeply connected with god and so so this world is incredibly precious and as someone who loves god and wants to worship god i therefore i don't worship the world but I want to value and take care of that which is so precious to God. And as part of that, running through all the way through the scriptures, you see such a clear theme around issues of justice and poverty. Mm. You know, Isaiah 58, we're told to spend ourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. And really, it's just it's like a golden theme that runs through the whole of the scriptures. So, again, I see that I worship a God, a a God of justice and a God Mm. who is the Lord of all creation. Jesus, uh, Colossians 1, tells us that Jesus died not only for human beings, as important as that is, but Jesus' blood was shed on the cross to reconcile all things to heaven and on earth. Mm-hmm. So that means that when I'm uh, when I think about, or not when I think about my Christian faith, but it means that to me such an important part of my discipleship and of what it means to follow Jesus is to be caring for this world that's so precious to him Mm -hmm. and to be actively practicing justice and loving mercy and walking humbly Mm -hmm. and so on. So that then is going to come out in all the different areas of my life, in how I do my family, in in how I work, in, I, I don't know, every area, you know, how I approach church. So... For me, I guess I've tried for it to be integrated because it comes from that integrated understanding 
of what the Christian faith is all about. Ultimately, of what the gospel, the good news of Jesus is. I see that the good news is integrated. It's about our relationship with God, but it's also about our relationship with others and our relationship with the wider natural world and then our relationship with ourselves. So I try uh, to live out that integrated understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so what are some of the ways we can show up for that world? What are some of the ways we can um, show up in our discipleship to care for the, the world that God created? Being aware at a personal level of our, our footprint, the, the amount of resources that we use. So thinking about the food that we eat and the way we travel, the energy we use, the things that we throw away, particularly mm -hmm. single-use plastic. Uh, one of the biggest things that we can do is shift our diet so that we're eating a predominantly vegetable and grain-based diet. Lots of other things too. And, you know, I've written lots of things that people can read to explore that more. So being really mindful in how mm. we live. And that isn't all about reducing and saying no. Often, as we reduce and say no, we then say yes to other things so as yeah. a family we've had a lot of fun experimenting and trying to live in ways that are careful on this world and and that has mm. been really fun and then alongside those individual lifestyle type things the really big change comes about when we hold our governments and businesses to account and when yeah. we call on them to take responsibility, it's important that we don't take all the responsibility on ourselves because it's governments and businesses that need to be making mm. those really big, large scale changes. So holding those two things together are important. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. And like you and like you said, there's more that we can read and there's more that we can we can learn. Um, but I feel kind of encouraged and inspired to to think about how how I can show up better and and do that thing you can help your kids to show up too yeah one of my favorite books that I've written is planet protectors 52 ways to look after God's world and mm. that's for primary school age kids I co-wrote it with Paul Carenza, who's a comedian and a BBC scriptwriter. So he's just brilliant. And it's a sort of fun, wacky and challenging book. So we can do these things together for those of us who are in a family with children. We yeah. can get our children engaged and often our children will be there and will be wanting us to be engaged. So yeah. it's a great resource. And I can affirm that it is it is a great resource. My kids have explored some of that and we've yeah. implemented some of those ideas. And one of my, my children um, likes exploring science meat, which is what he calls any anything that is a vegan alternative yeah. to some of the, or plant-based alternative to some of the meat project products that have made up our, our diet. And he gets really excited about looking for science meat <laughs> and it brings us all a lot of joy actually when he finds it. Oh, well done, 
<laughs> yeah, so um, can affirm there's loads of really great ideas to explore in there. Um, well, I'm just really grateful to you, um, Ruth, for your time um, and your wisdom. And we'll share some more about your work and some of your um, writing um, and also that Oikos network in our in our show notes, if that's all right. Um, but do just want to, um, yeah, say thank you so much for your time and, and kind of bless you in your um, continued service at, at Tear Fund and, and in the care of creation. So thank you for speaking us today. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me in. It's been great. Well, another huge thanks to Ruth for coming on the All Terrain podcast. I found the conversation super helpful and came away feeling like we need to do more to address our current crises, but also hopeful. If you feel similarly, I'd really encourage you to check out Ruth's writing, initiatives like Eco Church and the new Oikos Network. There is more information about all of those things in the show notes. I'd also really love to hear what you think. And you can join in the conversation on Facebook by searching the All Terrain Conversations and joining our group there. I'd love for it to become a space where we can ask questions, dig into the issues raised and journey together. It'd also be great if you could share the podcast across your social media channels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you could give the show a rating or write us a review. All those things help us get the show heard by even more people. You can also access our brilliant sketch notes and an article that accompany each episode by searching for the All Terrain podcast or clicking the link in the episode description. I'll be back soon with another guest who will be facing the four choices, answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the All Terrain podcast. So until then, that's goodbye and thanks for listening.